This week on the podcast, we are live. We have one team yet to get a win. We have one team that's just got their first win. We have another team that's just got their first loss. We've got so much to talk about coming up. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, because it's time for your Super League podcast. Proudly brought to you by Horn Industrial Coatings. Welcome to the electrifying world of Super League basketball. All right, welcome to the live pod. We've got a good one for you tonight. This episode brought to you by Coronas Real Estate, One Coronas Many Solutions. Dale Taylor, your co-host tonight, joined by new Bloodhound member Tristan Blacker. How are you, buddy? Good, mate. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. We'll talk about your game in detail, but just tell me what it was like to be out there for the first time. It was good. It was good to uh, finally get back to Melbourne and um, yeah, get on the court with the boys. Phenomenal team, phenomenal bunch of do- uh, dudes. But um, I guess just being back uh, as part of Super League in general was uh, fantastic, really. And the fitness? Not too bad. Um, in 25 minutes, I got a, a puffed in in a few areas. Um, Come back thinking that I might have been a little bit fitter, but still got a, still got a bit of work there to go. I think. Oh, that's good. That's uh, that's positive for the bloodhounds, at least. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I did cop a bit of a knock uh, to the shit knee, so we'll see how I go this week. Um, maybe a few less minutes, but um, yeah, we'll test it out and see how we go. Do you reckon they got the scouting report on you, buddy? Maybe, maybe, or maybe Lugman's just a prick. <laughs> It's, let it be known on the record, Lugman <laughs> is a prick. <laughs> All right. Um, what I want to know from you uh, before we get into it, DT, um, I'm looking over the eight games that we've got to talk about tonight. Do you have them in order? <laughs> I I don't know. Um, feel free <laughs> feel free to correct me if I do speak out of turn. Um, yeah, that's that's yet to be. Uh, determined on the pod tonight so uh just before we get into our games um we'll do a bit of housekeeping uh we do want to hear from like anyone who's listening so if you if you're keen to jump on at any point just put your hand up uh we'll try and get to you when we can Uh, we'll open up the floor to to any comments after each game and then at the end of the podcast as well so if you've got any um any cheeky jabs you want to throw at anyone as long as they're pg uh, throw them out there. Let's try and minimise the the use of profanities, uh, please. Don't be a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, let the let the chat light up, um, and let's have let's have some fun with it. Um, let's uh, let's get into it, mate. Monday night games. Uh, the first one I think was the uh, was <laughs> the Jembrook Pacers taking on the Lakeside Vikings, and it was the Pacers getting the dub 52-57. to 57. Well done, Dale. Uh, off the mark. <laughs> You're one for one. I'm very proud of you. You are correct. Uh, Pacers got up by five points in... I mean, for me, it was, it was a brilliant game because I hadn't, you know, hadn't seen a game live this season, so I was enthralled by it. It was good to see you know, both teams out there. They both played at 110%, but... Um, yeah, it was uh, kind of back and forth for most of it, but the, the pace has got over the line. Um, 
led by um, Cal Austin um, and Dan Bell did very well, and uh, Jamie Marchingo was was phenomenal as well. He was uh, he was lightning fast and and knocked some some very important big threes uh, throughout the game. Well, just just looking at the overall stats before we jump into individual stats, I can see here that the um, the Pacers had. Um, a lower percentage, uh, but had seven more opportunities, and that's where the the game was won essentially. Yeah, that's right. They both shot in the mid into high thirty uh, percent range uh, across the field, but as you say, um, yeah, the Pacers got seven extra shots, and, and you know that was kind of the difference. Um, it was pretty even on the on the boards as well, although the Vikings had ten extra defensive boards, both having ten uh, O boards. Um, which uh, yeah, so it was pretty pretty even, pretty pretty level game for the most of it, and uh, Pacers running away with uh, a five point win uh, towards the end of the game. Turnovers, an interesting stat for the Vikings, committing twelve for the game, which isn't horrendous, but the Gembrook Pacers just committing one for the entire game. Yeah, really looked after the ball, uh, percentage passing, percentage shooting, the Pacers, and you know ultimately there's the difference there, isn't it? It's yeah, it's pretty significant when you only turn the ball over one time in a whole game. I think that's um that's a pretty big achievement for the Pacers. Uh, for... Um, so I guess we're gonna have to we're gonna have to single that person out. As much as I love him, and he was probably <laughs> one of the first persons that come over to me and welcomed me back, and that was Cal Austin. But uh, he uh, he got a he got a turnover, which is just poor Cal. Sort it out, mate. One blemish, turnover. Blemish the on the perfect record. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, so for, for the uh, let's start with the Vikings. So the Vikings were led by Jamie McNeil. He had 20 points, he had 12 rebounds, and he also had six assists. Uh, a pretty amazing game, really, when you talk about uh, individual performances in Super League, and he shot the ball at 50%. Yeah, had a cracker. I had a bit of a chat to him uh, before the game as to where he was going to, you know, play himself, uh, whether it was, you know, in that 4-5 position or at the 1, because we know that, you know, he can kind of play 1 through 5. Um, but this guy, he, he, play, he did a little bit of both, uh, but predominantly he played at that 4-5, and I think that's his spot. You know, you've got some good point guards, Craig Walker and, um, and Mike Godfrey, uh, you know, being able to distribute the ball really well. So I, I like him playing at that 4-5 because you're going to get stat lines like that. He nearly had a triple-double, as you say, you know, 20, 12, and 6. There's probably only a, a couple of players in the league, I think, that can, can legitimately play 1 through 5, and he's, he's probably the best out of the lot. Yeah, you're right. And the other two uh, are, um, are on this podcast, so um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a bit of a coincidence, I guess. But, um, yeah, the three of us are pretty good, I reckon. <laughs> Outside of Jamie McNeil's outstanding performance, we had Jared Marshall chipping in with 17 points and six rebounds. Terrific effort from him, shooting the ball over 50%. And we also had Mike uh, with a double-double, 12 and 11 uh, from him. We also had Mark Surtees chipping in with, uh, with three points, uh, both Craig Walker and um, Jaden Hamilton uh, with with donuts, which is uh, unusual from both of those guys. So uh, look look for those guys to bounce back next week. Um, just a shout out to Jared Marshall to Skizza. Um, he is having a very very fine season, averaging sixteen points a game, um, which is definitely up from last season. So he's uh, he's a very important uh, part of the. Uh, Vikings outfit. Not only on the offensive end, but on the defensive end too. He's a solid defender. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Yep, couldn't agree more. All right, for the paces, uh, we had Calvin Austin as discussed. Uh, he had seventeen and twelve, which was uh, an outstanding performance, leading those guys to victory. We had Jamie Marchingo with sixteen and two, as well as five assists. Uh, we had Dan Bell with ten points, a couple of rebounds. Grimo uh, chipped in with five points, three rebounds. Bojack with four and four. Uh, Fab Monty, Fabrice, uh, three and three. And Lee McDonald with two and five. Pretty well-rounded effort, really, from the from the paces. Yeah, yeah, 100%. They, um, like, it, like we alluded to uh, just before, that they just move the ball really well. Uh, they find their open man. They take percentage shots, and um, you know this this trade that Grimmo's made's really really done well for the Pacers um, because yeah, they're all just you know the uh, Cal and Dan have you know slotted into the team really well. Um, but yeah, they're all just moving the ball nicely and and just finding that open space. You know, they're moving off the ball, which is really important in a league like Super League rather than being flat-footed. So. It's um it's it's evident um, in the way they're playing and, and getting wins. You know, we we spoke about that trade actually about um, you know who wins that trade etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know we both sort of spoke about win win but it really has turned out to be to be win win so far. Um, you know the Pacers haven't lost a game yeah. uh, since the trade and neither have the Bloodhounds, which we'll talk about later. Correct. Uh, all right, so if anyone, no one's really put their hand up. Once again, no surprise here. Um, but if we're going to we're going to stall for maybe I don't know ten twenty seconds, well, uh, if we'll see if anyone wants to chat about the game. But um, in the meantime, Tristan, Calvin Austin, eighteen shots for the game. Um, what are you What are your thoughts on that? Like traditionally, the Pacers haven't really um, you know put up many shots from their big guys, and outside of uh, Cal. It hasn't been any different. Uh, I, I, I mean, even as a as a bloodhound, even prior, yeah, playing on a on a Thursday night down at Packenham, um, Al just takes percentage shots. Um, he he finds himself, you know, smack banging the paint, whether he's you know cutting to the ball or you know dribbling in himself, but he, he finds open looks and um, you know gets percentage options, you know, to shoot the ball. So. I like what he does, and I mean, having 18 shots from him is where I would want him. I would be wanting him having, you know, 15 plus um, you know, each you know, week in, week out. So, from a number standpoint, I think that's exactly where you want him. Agree. I think he's a bona fide first rounder, and he's a bully, man. Like, I mean, he's only he's only what, like 18, 19, 20 uh, years of age. So, can you imagine, you know, once once he sort of gets into his mid 20s, what a what a handful he's going to be. Uh, when he starts throwing that body around, yeah, I agree. I mean, like he's, it's it's Ashbeck like, isn't it? Um, it is, and even another yeah. person that kind of reminds me of, although he's a little bit shorter than him, is James Till. Uh, for the guys that don't know Till, he's what six four, um, and a, you know a big strong body. It's you know got good post work and can dribble and and do all the bits and pieces as well. So. Um, I, I kind of see him in you know molds like that, um, and as he gets older and gets smarter and you know, stronger, he's going to be, yeah, he's going to be a star. Uh, yeah, and if, if you don't follow James Till on Instagram, make sure you go ahead and do so because uh, <laughs> he'd, he'd really appreciate that. So uh, let's move on to the next game. No one chucked their hand up. 
we're going to talk about the Bloodhounds game, your game, Tristan, at 7.30 versus the Clyde Kittens, and it was the Bloodhounds getting up by 13 points in the end. It was. It was. Uh, we kind of got out towards, we got that lead you know, kind of towards the end. Uh, I think maybe around half time we were, we were close to it, but um, we let the Kittens back in or you know they jumped back in essentially with uh, Dan Whitfield knocking some pretty big shots. So uh, it was it was good. It was good to be out there. Uh, we moved the ball really well. Um, we found options. We probably just got a little bit stagnant defensively at times, um, which allowed the kittens to kind of do what they wanted. Dan Whitfield has to be considered in the steal of the draft. Not even a hot take, I don't think. I don't think that's a hot take. I, I completely agree. We know what he's done over you know past seasons and in, within Super League. Um, he's a he's a he's fit as they come. Um, he can run the floor. He can jump. You know he can defend. He can shoot. Uh, he's, he's an all rounder through that one three uh, one through uh, three spot. So uh, we um, we tried to corral him as much as you know humanly possible. You know and that was that was Cooper Lansing, and you know, we all tried to help out where we could, but. Is that type of player where you, you can't stop him, you can only slow him down. And in periods, we did that. And at other periods, he just tore us to pieces. So, um, you know, it's one of those one of the tough ones because you play against him and can't help but just watch what he does. Uh, yeah, he's just a phenomenal player. He was taken pick 18 overall in the draft. He finished with 24, 9 and 6 assists. Um, just an outstanding performance from him. And I think uh, Chris Lugman really got himself a deal at pick 18 for Dan Whitfield. Uh, for the rest of the yep. team, we had Nath Gormley with 12 and 4. Uh, and no one else in double figures. We had Lugie with 4 and 7. We had Cash Turner with 2 and 4. Alex Kerr with 2 and 7. Uh, Jay Burgess with 2 and 6. And Nathan Ewer with a donut on this occasion. Uh, not reaching the scoreboard, grabbing a couple of rebounds and, and getting a steal in there as well. So, um, you know, I think, you know, maybe Nath Gormley is someone who will hit more shots um, in the future. I mean, he's he's taken three threes. He's made three threes in his, um, in his shots there. Yeah, that's right. Um, he's, he's a phenomenal... I was surprised that... He only had four shoot. rebounds. He can um, shoot for a big I don't know if that's a mistake, but um, yeah, just a big body and just so clever. Um, you know, he, he directs traffic really well from a defensive standpoint for his team, and uh, I love having him in the league as, as a player in general, but um, yeah, he's, he's a, he was a good pickup by the Kittens. All right. For the Bloodhounds, we had Cooper Lansing with 26-6, and six, outstanding from him. Uh, we had Jackson Gray with 22 and 18 rebounds. Uh, pretty outstanding from him as well. Outside of that, no one in double figures. But we did have Lockie McGrath knocking down five points, grabbing a couple of boards. Rose Sword, 1.5 boards. Tristan, you had five points as well and a steal. And uh, Blake Schreiber with no points but five steals uh, as well. So like a, a pretty... Pretty even, out, you know, outside of the the two outliers. Uh, I think I feel like you guys maybe relied heavily on those two to to get you through offensively. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, rightly that's, so. Yeah, they're, they're, as well, I should say. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, two first rounders we got in our side, and um, you know, high volume shooters. Uh, you play to your percentages, so um, we did what we did, and it seemed to work for the most part. Um, yeah. So outside of Jackson and Cooper, uh, you have you had uh, four players on the night who are extremely high IQ basketball players. I think Blake, Lockie. Rowe and yourself. Go yeah, look, I think that's that's the advantage. Um, you know, we've all played a little bit of basketball in our time, and um, you know, we just we've. We, well, I mean, the boys. You know, I've only played one game, but the boys have just gelled really well from the get go. Um, I think Blake Schreiber is one of the most underrated players going around. I know we talk about. You know, stats is a big thing within Super League, and you know, from time to time we mention those one percenters, but. Uh, there's probably, oh, I reckon, five or six defensive stops that Blake made or, you know, deflected shots that didn't result in um, in them scoring and one of our other guys getting a rebound or getting a steal uh, that it's not represented on, on the stat sheet because of what Blake has done. So, I mean, as, as fantastic as Cooper is and, and Jacko, like, I was most excited playing with um, a player like Blake because of what he brings to the team. Yeah, having myself and Lockie and, and Row around those guys um, was, was, is exciting. I, I picture the Bloodhounds being a bit of a cult, actually. If you guys would have car park beers or something, I can imagine like some, some robes getting sort of pulled out and it being a bit culty, <laughs> culty over there at the Bloodhounds. Look, I, I, I don't see it that way. I've never thought of us as a cult, but... Um, <laughs> Definitely partake in any rituals that uh, Roe put on the table for sure. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to the next game. The next game of the night, if I have it correct, is the Packenham Pirates versus the Kui Rup Koalas. And it was the Pirates getting up by nearly 20 points, 74 to 56. A uh, bit of a blowout in this one. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a little bit disappointing. Um, I was uh, I was hoping for a good game, and I thought it was going to be a lot closer than that. But um, you know, the Pirates were too good. The the um, problem there was though they just shot the ball so so well. Um, actually, had nine less scoring shots than the than the Koalas, but the uh, the Pirates shot the ball at fifty percent or just under. That's uh, a pretty healthy the number. Shot the ball at number super, thirty. A very, very healthy number, 50% from the field. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, it's a little bit disappointing uh, for the Koalas because um, they do have a, a pretty strong outfit. They're just not getting the wins at the minute. If you look at the Koalas, you had um, you had three players in double figures. Uh, and with, with that sort of stat line, you're not going to lose too many games. But it was Jake Connor leading the way with 22 and 10. Uh, outstanding from him as long as, as well as three assists. Uh, Nick Spezza, he had a terrific game with 10, four and six assists. Uh, Sean Johnson with 13 and 14, good effort from him. Uh, you had Rob Middleton with seven and three, Mitch Gray with four and six, and Dill Gray um, with, with another donut as well. But um, I think the Koalas, I mean, there's, I, I say this week in, week out, there is no easy wins in Super League, and I, I feel like the Kui Koalas are someone that you just don't want to face off against. 
Oh, no, you're spot on. Um, I mean, if you'd if you'd just gone off the um, if you didn't look at the end score and you just gone off the stat sheet alone, then you would be thinking that um, it was a, a hell of a lot closer game than what it was. Um, I don't anticipate the koalas to shoot this. We got you there, DT, or you disappeared? Yeah, sorry, sorry, mate. Uh, I don't know if you can hear me, but I, I did say um, the Packet and Pirates. Why don't you take me through their stats? Yeah, sorry, mate. There was a little bit of a disconnect there, I think. But um, the Pirates, um, led by Will Tankard yet again, uh, shooting the ball really well. He had 24 points and 12 rebounds. Um, Cal Shave had 16 and 5. Uh, Pete Kennedy, Pistol Pete, had 8 points, 2 boards. Um, you get Lucas Plaza, 4 points, 11 rebounds, which is really good to see him... Um, uh, him getting uh, over the 10, uh, 10 rebound mark. Um, he's really putting in a heap of effort. Uh, Jared Hendricks had six and four. Uh, Dave Juan had a really good game with eight and seven. And Brendan Clark had eight and six. Pretty good stre- uh, spread from the Pirates. I, I do like to see, you know, you had uh, nearly five guys in double figures. And um, I think that's extremely promising when you talk about uh, winning basketball games. Yeah, that's right. I mean, both both teams, you know, they shared the ball around. You know, they got um, they found those open looks. Um, but yeah, like we said, it was just the just the Pirates doing that little bit better and uh, shooting the ball at a higher clip. Got to like uh, things I like on the Pirates here. I like Will Tankard's double double. I like Lucas Plaza's eleven rebounds. Um, Jared Hendricks, I think, is going to be an important player for those guys. You know, six and five doesn't jump out at you a heap, um, but I feel like he's a good two-way player and someone that contributes uh, on both ends of the floor. Um, Cal Shave, sixteen and five, is pretty uh, pretty spectacular as well. Yeah, yeah, he's just a, he's just such a fit dude. You know, he can. Well, he played thirty-three minutes and didn't look like he uh, he'd gotten out of second year. Just um, did what he liked, you know, for, for for majority of the game, and you know, having blokes like you know Will and Pistol and uh, Clarky, you know, running around him. Um, it's yeah. I think. Look, I think um, you know, irrespective of the ladder and you know who's played who, for me, it's the Pirates as the as the front runner for the for the Monday night competition. I think um, I think they're the ones that um, you know are going to be kind of top of the table that you know the rest of us are going to be battling to try and take on come finals. Yeah, I, I agree. I like what the Pirates are doing. They look pretty well balanced at the moment. Uh, I think you're right. Cal Shave probably didn't didn't break a sweat really. Probably went home and worked out. Um, <laughs> I think uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of potential uh, with this Pirates team to go deep into finals. It's, it, it pains me to say it because of their GM. He's such a prick of a human. But, um, such a prick. Such you know, he, prick. he can he can draft the team, the big fella. He can. All right, let's move on to the final game, which was a bit of a walloping. It was the Ringwood Rangers. It's probably, I shouldn't say it disappointingly, because they absolutely flogged the crap out of the Berwick Sharks, who hadn't lost a game until Monday. Yeah, look, this was um, this is a bit of a surprise. I was really keen in for this one. Um, 
I'd, I'd watched a bit of the Sharks, you know, while I was away, and you know, I was keen to see him in action uh, live. But um, yeah, my brother Liam was crook, so he was out. Um, as soon as that ball was thrown up, the uh, Ringwood Rangers were uh, just a couple of steps ahead and um, didn't look like losing from the first five minutes, in my opinion. Well, you know, unlike every other Sharks game that we've seen, uh, Lee Belton didn't reach double figures, and I think that is conducive to winning basketball games when you play the Sharks. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, and again, you look at you look at the stats, DT. The Sharks had ten more scoring opportunities, um, but they just shot really poorly. All of them did. Um, you had Rhodesy, who had five points. He shot the ball at fifty percent, forty percent overall. Otherwise, you know, the closest was was uh, Cooper Rice at thirty three percent. Oh, sorry, you got Bryce BJ. that shot the ball at fifty percent as well, yeah. but. You know, Jade no, uh, O'Neill only shot the ball at 16. Uh, Cluffy didn't score. Lee shot the ball at under 9%, which is unlike him. And you need those types of blokes, you know, putting up numbers uh, for them to uh, for them to win. And um, if the Sharks aren't shooting well, that's going to put a lot of pressure on them to, at the defensive end to try and to try and stop opposing teams. Well, yeah, they've they've found a way in every other game this season, but uh, they had no answer for the Ringwood Rangers who who were just so strong offensively on the night. And it was Kyle Nagel bouncing back with 22 and six rebounds as well as four assists. Uh, you had Nick Melson in double figures. He was 12 and three as well as four assists. You had Josh Bauer with 12, uh, sorry, 10 and four uh, as well as three assists and three steals. Uh, Bailey Griffith, seven points and seven rebounds. Good from him. Uh, and also uh, we had uh, Jack Morris Burney with just four points, which is um, a little out of character from him. I know, I mean, Rhodesy and Cooper Rice, Bryce Joyner, they're big bodies inside. It would have been a um, would have been a tough uh, tough night for him. Uh, Nathan and Nan didn't get on the board, but he did contribute six rebounds. And Shannon Humphreys had three and seven. They're very good. Um, again, they uh, it's. Watching Kyle Nagel, it's, he still just amazes me. He can get in the lanes, he can he can get to the ring with ease. Um, and if you do somehow seem to stop him or corral him, he will just dish the ball off to an open man, and, and they'll get a they'll get an easy look. So he's he's phenomenal to watch. He's he's the leader of that team in my opinion, and um, he led by example. But you know, credit where credit's due. Nick Melson was phenomenal, uh, not just on the offensive end, but the defensive end as well. He only registered one steal, but he just deflects shots. He, he makes it hard for, for the opposition to shoot. And I think he's probably one that you could put down as, you know, that's attributed to, you know, Lee Belton, you know, shooting poorly. He always had a hand in his face. Um, he's just an up-tempo guy. So... You know, I mean, with a with a last name like Melson, he's like his big brother. He just can do it at both ends of the floor. Yeah, very very decent basketball player, and I think a really good pickup for the Rangers uh, in this draft. So, um, Rangers overall traveling traveling fairly well. Um, how it's do under you, the radar, I think, a bit DT. Just quietly going about their business. Yeah, um, they're they're one to watch. Um, you, you want a bit more out of uh, Jarek Morris-Burney. Um, he's obviously had a quieter game, but um, 
know, if they can get a few more you know defensive stops uh, against some of these stronger sides, um, I think it's going to you know that that'll push them in and to play some some decent finals. But um, I guess time will tell. Uh, just before we move on, like Kyle Nagel, like you say, so hard to, to keep in front of. I think there's only a handful of players in the league that are completely undefendable. Uh, I think he's one of them. Uh, I think Matt Darcy's Again, co- in that category. Co- coincidentally, DT, the other two are on the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Matt Darcy's in there. I think Tim Morgan's probably oh, in yeah. there. There's a, there's a few players that are just very, very hard to stay in front of, and he's one of them. I guess you get- yeah, you're right. Those three, those three are definitely yeah. They can just uh, like definitely. if if they want to get to a spot, they're going to get there, and it doesn't matter what you try and do. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All right, well that's um that pretty much wraps up our Monday night coverage. We're going to go to a quick break, and we'll come back and we'll talk some Tuesday night games. Horn Industrial Coatings offer you the best quality in epoxy floor coverings. Whether it's a factory floor, showroom, garage or outdoor basketball court, Horn Industrial Coatings will have you covered. Their products are designed to be hard wearing and are suitable for foot traffic and even vehicle traffic. With over 20 years of experience, Dean and the crew at Horn Industrial Coatings will make sure your flooring is finished to the highest standard. Get in contact for a free quote at www.hornindustrialcoatings.com.au. All right, Tristan. Nick and Scott at oh, Coronas Real Estate. Changing lives for the better. One Coronas, many solutions. Here to help with all your property needs, whether you're selling, buying or leasing your home in the southeast suburbs. Lincoln demonstrates exceptional diligence, drive, commitment with 15 years of experience selling local and living local. Thinking of selling? Contact Lincoln Scott at Coronas Real Estate today on 0423 486 285. I don't know about you, Tristan, but I just love the saying, one Coronas, many solutions now. It's really grown on me. I like your other one better, personally. Which one? If you don't sell with Lincoln. You're a communist. <laughs> I just love it. Ever since, ever since Lucas Armstrong screamed it out in the car park, one Coronas, many solutions. It, it's, just done, it's just hitting differently now. <laughs> it is. It's very good. All right. Let's talk about some Tuesday night games. Uh, we had the Philly Island Penguins uh, beating up on the Philly Island, oh, sorry, the Pakenham Upper Unicorns. 74 to 46, bit of a blowout here, mate. It was, it was. I, uh, I watched this one from my lounge room uh, with, a, with a couple of little pugs on my lap uh, with my, my granddad's slippers. But uh, you were down there, DT. Um, me a little bit about it was it was it as bad in person as it was on tally i'll be completely honest i was enjoying a sausage in the car park um courtesy <laughs> of lucas armstrong he brought his barbecue down are you uh, talking about food yeah right okay i'm with you sorry <laughs> no 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 we uh we did see this game and yeah it was it was a little bit um a little bit of a blowout i don't know it was it was fairly one-sided it's funny, again, because it, it comes down to shooting. Um, 
I don't want to sound like a broken record or this is the only stat that I look at, but Penguins only had one more scoring shot, um, 71 to 72. The Penguins shot the ball at 41%, whereas the Unicorns shot the ball at 25 Is it For you, is it based off phenomenal defense, the Penguins, or is it shot selection by the Unicorns? Uh, I feel like the Unicorns just didn't really have it going uh, offensively. Um, bit of a tough one, you know, like Summit went one from 16. Jess Maudsley did have a reasonably good shooting night, but didn't get nearly enough. Ash Beck, six from 18, not too bad. Angus Farhi shot the ball at 20%, four from 18. So I think, uh, sorry, I just I just think that that's, that's a pretty tough night when you're actually shooting the ball. And I, I don't know if I'm crediting the defense as such, but the Philly Island Penguins offensively were outstanding. Yeah, yeah, and look, you look at look at the the shooting efficiency that they they put up. There was, um, you know, uh, Luke Thomas and Joey that shot the ball at thirty percent. Everyone else was over forty, so uh, it goes a long way. And you got Harry Darcy that shot the ball at nearly eighty five percent. Yeah, get thirteen out. points. Get out! Absolutely. Who's the better Darcy these days, Harry or Matt Darcy? Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Uh, both lovely individuals. Um, I call it a draw, I think. <laughs> Fence sitter. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to ask Pat. We'll ask, yeah, we'll, ask Daddy, we'll ask Daddy Darcy next time we see him. Daddy Darcy, I like that. Um, for, the, for the Penguins, we had Brad Starkey, 17 and 20 rebounds. Outstanding performance from him. Probably what we've been expecting from him night in, night out. Uh, if I'm completely honest, I think he's had a quiet season, but tonight was ex- oh sorry, last week was exactly uh, what we expect from him, night in, night out. Yeah, yeah, you're spot on. I mean, we're we're used to him putting up numbers like he did. Um, so hopefully, the back end of this season is the you know the Starkey of old, and and he's putting up figures like he has in this game. We had five players in double figures, uh, and they were. Jack Brisbane Mills, 16 and 7. Outstanding game from him. We had Luke Thomas, 13 and 5. We had Harry Darcy, as we mentioned, 13 and 5. Uh, we had Joey Nativo, 10, 8, and 7. Amazing game from him. Uh, and Matty Waitley with a, with a massive triple. Everyone got behind him. And he also had a very difficult inside shot as well, which was outstanding. It's good. That's what I want to see. Uh, Matty Waitley putting up uh, a few more shots because we know that he can shoot the ball. And I feel like a broken record when we get on here and talk about him because we know that he can knock big threes. So a few more coming from him, I hope, in future games. Can I also mention Brad Starkey had seven steals? Seven. What an amazing! Evan. What an amazing effort! Actually, I just got pointed out in the chat, and and he's right. That that's phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Seven steals. That's stupid. Get stuffed. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, what a stealer! Just bring the cops around. <laughs> so the the Penguins. Uh, I mean, they've they've shuffled their roster around several times, and it seems to me. Like they've found this happy medium where they've got a good bunch of scorers. They've got transition. They've got outside shooters. Uh, they've got you know sufficient inside play as well. 
Um, they're, they're a team that will punish you if you don't play them honestly. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's, uh, it was uh, after a few trades. It was good to good to see a, a good win by them. So I'll be pretty. I'll be watching them intently, um, you know, for the remainder of the season to see how they go because they're thereabouts for finals. Uh, they've definitely got the side to do it. Uh, if they keep up this shooting efficiency, then you know we'll definitely see them come the postseason. For the corns, we didn't really touch on them too much. Um, we have Ashbeck eight. Uh, sorry, fourteen and. 13. Uh, he also had a couple of assists in there as well. Uh, Angus Fahey, 9 and 3. We had Jess Maudsley, 8 and 7. Six, uh, sorry, a couple of assists as well. Um, John Eli, Summit Tapper, Eli Evans, all on three apiece. Uh, multiple rebounds to be um, distributed there as well. Curtis Wheeler with six points and a couple of rebounds as well. Tell me about the Packenham Upper Unicorns. Oh, I um, I was at uh, Dakota's Youth League game today and uh, Kurt rolled in and we had a bit of a chat and um, he was at a bit of a loss and I was at a bit of a loss as to, you know, well, I'll say it, like the poor basketball that they're playing at the minute because their team is borderline stacked. They have it a is. very, very, very good I agree. outfit. They're it's just stacked. probably not gelling. They're just not gelling. They've got they've got multiple people who can handle the ball. They've got, I think, one of the best bigs in the league in Ashbeck. Uh, John Eli is probably one of the best defensive bigs in the league. Um, yep. And you've got outside shooting. Uh, I just, I just don't know. Um, I just don't know how these guys aren't winning more basketball games. No, that's that's exactly right. Um, outside of kind of breaking down their game, just like to um to win, <laughs> just just win, win win a couple of Please games because win a little more. I think you know once you once you get a win on the board and um you know gel a little bit more like this team's. I, I look at this team on paper and they play they play finals for me. Um, probably you know not going to happen from where they're situated on the ladder, but. They could still do some damage uh, for the remainder of the season. I'd like to see this team play a man-on-man defense. That's what I'd like to see. Yeah? Yep, I reckon they'll do very well in a man-on-man defense. You know, you've got John Eli, elite defender. Eli Evans, elite defender. Ash Beck, very solid inside defender. I think Angus Fahey is a good defender. Jess Maudsley is probably one of the smartest defenders that I've come across. I think um, I think this team would bode yep. well to play a man-on-man defense. Hopefully, they do it on Tuesday night. Let's um, yeah, let's hope they do. And then when we play the Ducks, just uh, just a zone would be suffice. <laughs> just keep playing the way you have been, if you if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> All right. The second game. All right, DT. I'll let me intro this one, please. Thank you very much. Please. Nice. please. Um, second time slot, seven thirty. It's the Dandy Ducks, fifty-one, getting over the top of the Garfield Foxes, forty-six. In the Ducks' first win for the season. First win for the season, and what a way to get it. I mean, we, um, yeah, outstanding game. Just five points in it. Very competitive. Uh, but it was a it was a game of, I want to say two halves, but it was really um, 
it was really sort of, I don't know, one and a half quarters and two and a half quarters. Um, I feel like once we switched, so we, we played a, a zone defense to start and we got absolutely punished uh, by the by the Garfield Foxes. It was Benji Coco. I think he hit four threes in the in the first quarter and a little bit. And he, he was absolutely crushing us. And then that sort of allowed Andy Printanity to get off the chain a little bit. And um, they were really doing us some damage. So we switched up to a man-on-man and the boys sort of stuck with it, stayed persistent, and we ended up coming back and winning our first game. And well done to you, DT, because it was it was very much overdue. And, like, where was it won and lost? Like, I know you talk about what the, the Foxes did kind of in that first half, but the more... Uh, an offensive or defensive uh, attempt by you guys to, to do what you did? I think a little bit of both, but I, I think predominantly our defense, uh, changing our defense really sort of turned the tide in this game. Uh, I think there was a period in this game where Leon Stapley hit three threes in a row and really sort of caught that lead back up for us. Uh, sorry, the yeah, caught their lead back up for us. Uh, and then it was sort of game on from there and you know that sort of eliminated their shooting playing man on man and i was a little bit nervous playing the man on man defense i thought matt darcy was going to have a field day i thought dave morseman was going to have a field day i thought andy Britannia was going to have a field day um but all the guys that that played defense on the night i think they did such a good job yeah no they did uh it was a, it was a phenomenal game to watch and um it was probably uh, an all-team effort is what you guys needed. I mean, you know, John O'Brien didn't put up his his normal his normal um, shooting efficiency, uh, only being two of fourteen. But I thought he was really strong defensively. I think he moved the ball really well offensively. You know, to find yourself uh, on that low post, flying Leon, um, you know, around the perimeter. So yeah, it was a, it was an all all-round team effort by you guys to get your first win. Yeah, look, I, I think um, I thought Jono was solid. Um, he always puts his hand up and um, and takes the the tough defensive matchups. And you know, he put his hand up for Matt Darcy a couple of times. He he was on Benji Coco a lot, um, and it, it really sort of propelled our team to to winning this game. But I think more importantly was um, Dan Catelico. I thought his game was outstanding. He had twelve and seventeen. He earned himself a Player of the Week nomination. Um, he shot the ball six of nine, uh, and you know this this sounds amazing, right? But it's what he's been doing every week, uh, and I think I think his efforts on Tuesday were particularly important to getting the dub. Yeah, that's right. Uh, if you look at start with Dan, uh, he had twelve points, seventeen rebounds. Uh, yourself, DT, had twelve points. You had six rebounds. And you had six assists with a couple of steals and a block in there, uh, just padding stats. It seems Dale, you were on. You were just all over the place. Uh, a very, very good effort by you. Uh, Dill Henry had three points, four rebounds. Uh, James Midami had two and two. Uh, Bray had five and six. Uh, Leon the Chook Stapley had fifteen and three. Chooker uh, and Luke. <laughs> Chalk um, had uh, two and three, um, and moving down to the Garfield Foxes, Andy Printenia had thirteen and thirteen. 
Benji Coco, he was four of nine from deep. He had 12 and two. Uh, Dave Morseman had six and nine. Uh, Josh Lanting, four and one. Uh, Key Elliott had two and two. Matt Darcy had nine, seven, and I believe eight assists. It's a pretty incredible game. And um, and part of the reason we were shitting ourselves going man on man, like the guy is just, like we said earlier, he can get to any spot on the floor whenever he wants. Uh, and so we just really had to make sure that we did the right thing by trying to make sure he, he st- stayed out of the paint. Um for the most part, I, I don't feel like we did a good job of it. He was able to still get to the paint, but um, you know he wasn't he wasn't a massive impact in um, in creating. Well, he was really. He just did really well. Okay, he played he played very well, <laughs> and he was good. He was the handful we were expecting him to be. So, um, yeah, he he was outstanding. I thought Andy was outstanding. Um, him and Dan Catelico, they had an amazing battle. It was like Clash of the Titans down there. You know, Andy Printanier would win a couple, Dan would win a couple. It was just an amazing battle to watch. Very good, DT. Very, very good. All right, let's move on. The next game of the night was the Cranbourne Bucks, 41, going down to the Emerald Bears. Bit of a surprise, 25-point victory, 66-41 to 41 Bears favour. Tell me about this. I, I missed the last two games. So, um, so this was actually when we were out in the car park enjoying uh, winners' snags uh, from, from <laughs> Lucas Armstrong. Shout out Lucas Armstrong. Aaron. Uh, Lucas Armstrong organising the sausage party. It's pretty good with the sausage, Lucas Armstrong. <laughs> but we digress. So we, we, we do, and we move on, uh, and we, we, we clean it up and be a little bit more mature. Um, oh General Bears shot the ball at 40% overall, uh, 68 attempts, uh, so that they, they seem to have it... Uh, Pretty much covered from the get-go. I was I was on the stats for the majority of this game, um, keeping an eye on things. It was led by AK10 Alex Katusiak. Um, although I, th- I don't think he's number ten this season, he had twenty-four points, seven rebounds. Um, Gregory Wise had thirteen and thirteen. Um, JC had two and two. Um, Jack Rich had four and six. Jeff Reed was very good from deep, as he always is. He was six of 11 from deep. In the three ball, 55%. That's he had 18 and five. That's outstanding. That's, um, he didn't attempt mental. a two. Hey? He didn't attempt a two. Uh, Three's why threes why only. shoot twos? <laughs> why shoot twos when you can shoot They're threes? They're worth less. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we had um, Skinny Mick, he had four and ten. Uh, and Noah Hansen, zero points and two rebounds. So for the Bears, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty outstanding effort from the Bears. Um, you come out, you haven't lost a game, and you blow out a team that's only lost one game by 25 points. Yeah, that's right. Um, it was, I think, just that ball movement. You know, they moved the ball really well. 
Uh, they're very vocal defensively. The Bears, you know, they 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 hunt in packs, um, and you know <laughs> I, they I just know they, they play for each other. Of a bear, but um, <laughs> I think that's wolves. Yeah, they hunt in packs, unlike a bear who does it solo. <laughs> uh, for the Bucks. The Bucks, uh, they had two players in double figures. One was Dill Jack with 12 and 5. Uh, the other was Joshy Saunders with 12 and 12. Solid game from Joshy. In this game, they kept Mike Stewart uh, to just four shot attempts, 1.8 boards. Um, Link Scott was under 10. He had five and four. Um, and then we had AJ Scott with six, Dean Horn with two, Jamie Franklin with three and six. Um, I don't know what to to say about this game. I think it's probably just a bit of a stinker from the Bucks. I think they yep. um, they pick up the pieces and, and move on like it never happened because they're a quality side. Yeah, I mean, you look at the list, especially with Dill Jack coming in. I, just looking at this list, I go, this is a team that could beat pretty much anyone in the competition. Um, so for them to go down by... 25 points just doesn't make sense to me. So put it down to a rough night at the office and expect them to bounce back very quickly. Well, there you go. All right. The last game, Tristan, was uh, the most touted game of the week. It was the Druin Dragons versus the Nary Warren Silverbacks. And just before we get started in this game, I just want to play a clip. I spoke to Michael Blythe before the start of this game, and here's what he had to say. Michael Blythe, pre-game, you guys are playing the Silverbacks tonight. Are you nervous? Mate, not at all. As I said, thought it was the bye. So it should be a 20-point win for us. 20-point win? Back. This is going on the pod regardless <laughs> of if you win or lose. Oh, mate, as I say, you don't talk shit before and then you lose. You miss your opportunity to talk shit at all. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Is it? Is it confirmed? Loser buys a hoodie? Mate, 100%. Mate, bet's a bet. Stick to it. I love it. So he's buying the Dragons hoodie for me. I'm, you know, take free stuff when you can. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Good luck. Cheers. So, it was the Nary Warren Silverbacks 48 getting up on the Druin Dragons 38, and it looks like Michael Blythe owes Kyle Sutherland a hoodie. Was it stipulated what hoodie? Like, is Kyle going to be handed a Dragons hoodie or is it <laughs> no, of their no, own team? I don't team? believe they actually specified what team of a hoodie they had to buy. So, mate, uh, just st- stay tuned for those shenanigans. I like, I like that, D2. That was very cool. Um, and I like, um, I like mixed comments about... Know, talking a bit of shit prior to the game, um, he, he's, he's he's a good dude to have around Super League. So, um, I, I love the the camaraderie that he brings. So for the Silverbacks, uh, one of the best defensive teams in the comp, but they had a fifty point game nearabouts, uh, and it was led by Dave Gormley with just twelve points, thirteen rebounds. Another. One of those games where his 12 points is more significant than 12 points. Yeah, you're spot on. Uh, I think I think DT now, at this part of the season, we can say that the Silverbacks are the best defensive team in the competition. Um, they, they're undefeated, and it is off the back of how hard they work defensively. Um, 
So, you know, credit to them. Um, and, you know, as we go through the, the, you know, the stats for this game, I, I want to try and get through it relatively quickly so we can, we can talk about next week because they've got another huge game coming up. They do. So let's do that. Jake Sutherland, <laughs> <laughs> nine points and four rebounds. Uh, he had a, a really solid game, I felt. Um, I think he had a couple of assists as well, bigger pardon. Uh, Jordy Hendricks, eight points, a couple of boards. Uh, Josh Farragher, uh, eight points and five boards. Kyle Sutherland, two points, four boards. Uh, solid on the defensive end as always. He was mic'd up this week. What did you think of that, by the way? It was cool. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was lovely. Cool as shit. Uh, these I are little initiatives. Loved that. That, that, eh? I freaking loved it. Yeah, it was good, and I, I hope we uh, we can continue to do it more. Um, I actually didn't know that it was that it was happening, but it was it was a lot of fun. It was cool. Michael Kassab, four points, two boards. Riley Lanting, three points. Uh, sorry, five points, three boards. Um, so no one really standing out there for the Silverbacks, but every single player uh, chipping in. Yeah, that's and that's and that's how they play. Um, you know, they work. You know, they work as a team at both ends of the floor, and they do what they have to do to 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 get the win. And uh, offense and defense is is no difference. Um, yeah, this is this is why I think they're the best team in the competition at the moment. For the Drew and Dragons, I think they've probably got the more interesting stat line. Um, we've yep. seen we've seen games where you know we've seen a Trent Reeford game where he's had thirty rebounds in a game. Uh, he had eleven and seven. Um, yep. We've seen games where Michael Blythe was in the twenties multiple times. He had sixteen. Yep. Um, and we've seen you know. Massive double-doubles from Cam Scott. He had just five points, eight shot attempts, uh, 17 rebounds, um, but no one no one outside of that really getting going. We had Roland Dunn with four and three. We had Phil Schofield getting a donut, which is unheard of, zero and three. Uh, Lyndon Dorber didn't really sort of get much momentum. Uh, Chris Eagleton with a couple of points, which is, you know, man, this guy can shoot the midi like you wouldn't believe. So... I think the the clamps were put on by the Silverbacks. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, when we sit here and we talk about, you, know, you look, the the Dragons had more scoring opportunities, and was it poor selection or was it, you know, a really tough defense? And I think we put it down to the defense in this game because you know, the Dragons they they've got a smart offensive side. Um, but on this occasion, the Silverbacks got the better of them. Yeah, it's it's. You know, it's so hard to, to stop a team like the Drill and Dragons. And for most of this game, like it's a close game. It was 10 points and uh, it was a close game the whole way the whole way through. But, you know, like to keep a player like Cam Scott to five points is, is really hard work. And even Michael Blythe to 16, I feel like, is a pretty good job. Um, and, you know, guys like Ryland Dunn and Phil Schofield, Chris Eagleton, they've all been popping off. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like... The defensive um, credit has to be given to the Silverbacks, like you say. Agreed. We uh, we did catch up with with Kyle Sutherland after the game, also, and, <laughs> and here's here's what he had to say. Here with Kyle Sutherland after the win. Jesus, 
Mate, what a game. Yeah, it was pretty exciting, wasn't it? It was, it was. I, I, thought, I thought we were too small. Everyone keeps telling us we're too small. It's been a, been a highly touted game all week. You guys came with the Chockeys with uh, by about 10 points in the end. Yeah, 10 in the end, I think. And I even had a rest at the end there as well. No respect for the boys. What was the game plan coming in? Ah, just get our matchups right. Matchups right, we know Cam would go pretty hard in the first quarter and then fade it away a little bit, which was good for us because he was killing us. Uh, and Trent, you just got to stay in front of him. Ryland, stay in front of him. Josh did his thing on, on Mike. Uh, that's all we can do, man. Just contest all the shots like we do every other week. Had one of your best offensive games too, the, the Silverbacks. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Good to show we can actually score too. Everyone says we can't score and we've got to put a score up, so that was nice. But no, I'm happy with the boys. Happy with where we're tracking. I've even moved my barley trip because it falls on the grand final day. So there you go. It cost me 170 bucks, oh, so hopefully it's worth it. All right, all right. Thanks for joining me. All right, thanks, mate. So not only... Uh, does he get a free hoodie? But he's he's invested pretty heavily in moving his uh, his barley flights, thinking that the Silverbacks will be in the grand final. What do you think? Uh, good on him. No, that's that's good. I think um, it's a, I think it's a solid investment if you look at the Silverbacks and yeah. where they're at right now. I was just more excited that um, you and uh, Kyle were having a bit of a laugh together. Um, that was lovely <laughs> um, because it was a couple of weeks ago you were ready to kill each other. So that's that's sweet. No, I love no, how you no, both no, 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 no. I must hold you right there. He was ready to kill me. I was, I was nothing to love. <laughs> I love that bloke. I love him so much. And and there's no one that can tell me that I don't love Kyle Sutherland because I do. I love him. <laughs> no, look, I um. I, Love to. I'd love to know what his wife thinks about <laughs> changing the holiday yeah, for a basketball yeah. game. I know. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I know how keen Kyle would be to be on the beaches of Bali getting his shirt off. But uh, yep. I think a really solid investment for the Silverbacks team because I feel like they're probably going to be not a shoe in, but like pretty close to. Yes, I would. I I wouldn't disagree with you, DT. All right. Well, Tristan, we've we've covered Tuesday night. We've covered Monday night. What we haven't covered is the team of the week, and the game of the week, and the players of the week. Cool. Well, do you want to? Yeah, let's do that. So for the for the Monday night. We had Jackson Gray from the Bloodhounds taking Player of the Week honours with 22-18 and two assists at 50%. From your Bloodhounds, Tristan, I know you can elaborate on this a little bit. Please do so. Uh, well, he's just a man-mountain, isn't he? Um, he's a man-mountain that can you know, really, really play through all positions. Um, you know, there's a couple of times he was running point. Uh, he's, he's a phenomenal passer. Um, fantastic inside um just a big body and hard to move and and with the post work that he puts in it's it's evident that you know he's borderline unstoppable you know i i know we've had conversations about it in the past and you know particularly when elite super league was running uh i was jackson gray's biggest fan i i always wanted to uh, well i mean only jammed one season but i he was a player that was definitely <laughs> on my radar. I definitely wanted him on my team. Yeah, no, and he's he's put in a lot of work. He was like he was uh, probably what five, six years younger back then. Yeah, yeah, he was. It was what well, was well before COVID uh, that he was playing. He played with Paul Phillips. He was under his wing, um, and yeah, he's just just uh, gotten better and better with every season that's gone on. 
he's he's a hell of a basketball player and what a what a game um to win him player of the week i think it's um that's his second now and i think we may not have seen the last of him yet in player of the week honors correct dt um we move to the tuesday night competition uh, and it was Bradley Starkey from the Penguins, uh, their fearless GM, had a huge game, as we discussed before. 17 points, 20 rebounds, 7 steals. 7? Seven? 7 steals? 7 steals. Seven. He's a stealer. <laughs> a big steal, the Hamburglar, if you will. <laughs> Maybe we need to change the name to the Philly Island Steelers. <laughs> I could change his profile pick in um, in the back end, actually, to the Hamburglar. We could do that. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's do it. Let's lock it in. <laughs> Keep your eye peeled to Starkey for that. He had a, a cracking game, and like we said, the Penguins blew those guys out of the water, and I think you know his, his defense. He's always been a player that I've said to, to guys, you need to watch what you do around Brad Starkey. He's got a terrific set of hands. He plays... Plays a bit of mixed netball, and I feel like that really helps his reading of the basketball when he goes for steals and such. He gets very handsy. He does, um, and no, you're right. He, he, um, it's it's not uncharacteristic for him to you know to get some really good stops defensively, and you know, this is a prime example of you know that he can do that. I I honestly think he's probably got some of the best hands that we've got in the comp. Um, you know, the way he's able to deflect, um, you know, post inbounds, the way he's able to read passing lanes and even his transition passing is second to none. So I think that's probably a part of his game that we really overlook. You know, we look at his three-point shooting, we look at his terrific rebounding numbers, but I feel like that's one part of his game that is, is really outstanding. I, uh, I could not agree more. Thanks. All right, well, um, we'll move Welcome. into the team of the week from there, Tristan. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for giving me a lot on that one. Um, we have, obviously, the, <laughs> <Yep>. uh, the, <laughs> the aforementioned Jackson Gray and, yes. and Brad Starkey from the Bloodhounds and Penguins, respectively, making the team of the week in the starting five. We also had Dave Gormley with his um, terrific effort uh, with the, what did he have, like 12 and 10 or something like that, I think we said, uh, from the Silverbacks. We had Cooper Lansing with his massive game uh, from the Bloodhounds also. Two Bloodhounds making the starting five. No surprise there, I think. Kyle Nagel from the Rangers. Cagle, if you will. Uh, he had his massive <laughs> game, uh, which propelled the Rangers to a blowout win as well. Uh, and off the bench, we had steal of the draft candidate Dan Whitfield from the Kittens and... The Birdman, Jake Connor from the Koalas, uh, with his double double as well. So, what do you, what do you think of that? That's a pretty, pretty big team of the week. It's a good team, Dale. When you when you look at the length on that team of the week, that's pretty big, right? You got like Kyle Nagel and Dan Whitfield as the smallest guys, and everyone else can probably play three through five, two through five. Right, yeah, it's um, and yeah, there's yeah, you put it. I can't wait till the end of the season until we can have like what is the best team of the week. Um, and I know all of them are obviously decent, but this one's uh, this one's going to be up there for the top team of the week, I reckon. 
Yeah, I, I think you're uh, you're 100% right, and I'm not going to give you any more than that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, let's talk games of the week for next week because we've got we've got a, a couple of really really significant games uh, next week, and the first one is the Packet and Pirates versus the Ringwood Rangers. Both teams aren't winless. Uh, sorry, aren't undefeated, but close to. Yeah, they are, and um, this is going to be a cracker. Uh, two teams that you know require all seven players um, and and share the ball around really well. Uh, everyone is brought into the game. Everyone's utilised to the best of their ability. So you know, there's there's going to be a lot. Of these both these teams do get out and run in trans uh, and look for those easy buckets. So to me, it's going to come down to you know who can defend best. Uh, we'll, we'll get over the top uh, and, and get the win in this uh, 9-10 game on Monday night. Okay. Tell me who's going to win the game, Tristan. We're going to go with um, big, beautiful Lucas Plaza and his Packy Pirates. That's uh, that's a big call. And I think, man, it's I think this, this game's five points are under. And I think I'm going to go with the Pirates as well. Um, you know, with the, the stat line they put up last week, it was very well-rounded. And I think I think the Pirates are a chance here. Yeah, look, it's going to be close. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers do get up. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm going to stick with the, with the Pirates on this occasion. All right, the Tuesday night game of the week is potentially game of the season. We've got... The best defensive team in the comp versus the best offensive team in the comp. The Silverbacks versus the Bears. Both teams undefeated. Yeah, and another 9-10 game. So, you know, for everybody <laughs> All to All the good teams play in, late. I know. Like, bloody hell. Um, I love Rowan, and he does a phenomenal job for this league, but he needs to preempt the games of the week <laughs> at the start of the season. Because Bloody there's a lot Rowan. of people that get up early. I'm one of them, and now I'm going to be tired on Tuesday and Wednesday because I'm going to watch these games. So look, I'm not happy about the times of them, but um, it's going to be exciting. And just like the Monday night game, this one's going to be a cracker as well. Oh. I'm going to let you choose first. I honestly can't decide. I, I'm. This is the biggest fence sitting that I will do because I can't. I can't decide. I'm not even leaning towards one team over the other. You're gay. I'm going with the Silverbacks. I think the Silverbacks have shown in the last couple of weeks uh, that they can be a fairly decent offensive team, but their defense remains elite. Um, and I think. Combined with you know limiting a really good team in the Bears, plus starting to get their momentum on the offensive end, I think it's going to be the Silverbacks for me in a very close one. Um, all right, then. Well, I'll just go with the Bears. Flip of the coin. Uh, it's going to be close. It's going to be within a couple of points. Uh, no more than three or four. Uh, but I will go with the Bears. Jeff Reed's coming off uh, a great shooting display. Reggie Wise is fit. Um, they will get over the line. So uh, that's good. That's good. I'm glad that you're able to commit to one team, Tristan. Well done. Yep. I'm proud of you. Um, it was the uh, it was the gay comment for me, uh, making me <laughs> kind of decide. So <laughs> you have it. 
All right. Well, at least Kate knows what to call you when you won't decide what to have for dinner. <laughs> yes, among other things. <laughs> All right. Well, that uh, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Stick around. I'm going to chuck a couple of player interviews up uh, afterwards. They're going to be pretty rubbish, but if you want to stick around for them, Please do so. Thank you all for listening, and we'll do it all again next week. Thank you, Tristan. Thank you, DT. Lovely to hear your voice yet again. <laughs> Jack Brisbane Mills, you guys are up considerably in the fourth. How many cherries tonight? Oh, not that many. I've missed far too many that I should have made, so I'm not fucking happy, but, I mean, yeah, I should be. I said the scoreboard says eight for me, but I reckon I should be on... A little bit more than that, but yeah, team gamers at the end of the day, so we're doing all right there, lacking in a bit of defense, I reckon, on, on their part, and I feel like our defense has been a lot stronger, except for a couple of three-pointers who have let go, but uh, once we lock that back up and everything, we should be good. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I, you go. I was just going for a three-second answer, but thank you. We'll use this as a, um, as, a <laughs> as a big segment in the pod. Yeah. Oh, you, you want a three-second answer, and I'll talk me fucking head off. Here with Dill Henry, fresh off a Ducks win. Dill, how did it feel to get the monkey off the back? Fuck. Well overdue, to give you that much. I mean, I did fuck all. But... <laughs> I mean, I did not a lot, to be honest, but the boys uh, the boys came through. Big Leon. Mate, you're a duck anyway. Finally, uh, finally took the stand and uh, fired off. Yeah, popped off. So um, he went off. Big uh, big game from Jimmy. He was, uh, he was everywhere tonight. Um, spots. Bit uh, bit unlucky on the scoring, but he was there, so that's the main thing. Dale was uh. Still in the car park. <laughs> yeah, Dale was quietly consistent. You did a lot, but uh, the uh. Fuck all. Scores don't show it. But he, he was there. He did a lot. He he rocked up. He all was the uh, all the turnovers was in about five minutes of themselves. So we'll take that for the win. Big Lucas just fucking rolling around on the ground all the night. The snag man. You know? <laughs> the snag man. <laughs> just rolling around on the ground all night. Just as like as per usual. But nah. Worth worth uh, the wait and worth the win. Bad.